ever find yourself reacting to your children in ways you wish you didn't? Or do you have a strong-willed child that you wish you could figure out how to get to their heart? Well, today's podcast is definitely for you. Hey there, everyone. Welcome to the Teach Them Diligently podcast. I'm Leslie Nunnery, and I am so glad you're here. On today's podcast, I will be chatting with Kirk Martin. Now, Kirk is the founder of Celebrate Calm, and I can't wait for you to hear all about how God led him to start the work he does there. I'm also super excited to let you know that Kirk will be joining us next season in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, and in Round Rock, Texas, because you definitely want to mark your calendars to hear him there. Kirk will help us reframe our interaction with our children today and help us see how God can redeem even the most difficult relationships. I promise you don't want to miss a minute of today's podcast. Before we dive into my conversation with Kirk Martin, though, I want to share with you a short message from today's sponsor, Alpha Omega Publications. When it comes to homeschooling, trust AOP, an award-winning homeschool curriculum provider. Their customizable and comprehensive options make it easy for your children to learn in the place they love most. Get a head start on next school year and save 20% on Monarch Yearly Plans, LifePack, and Horizons award-winning curriculum, July 8th and 9th during AOP's two-day flash sale. Plus, get free shipping on all applicable orders. Call 1-800-622-3070 or enjoy spectacular summer savings when you shop online at aop.com July 8th and 9th. I am so glad to have Kirk Martin here with us this week. Kirk is with Celebrate Calm, and he has just a really tremendous ministry to families who may benefit from some insights and and just some some outside help as they are wading through strong wills and 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 kids that just don't necessarily fit that that Pinterest perfect image that we all we all see that all homeschoolers look like, right? So, um, Kirk, thank you so much for joining us Leslie, today. Thank you so much. I I'm thrilled, really thrilled to be here. Well, I am so glad. Would you tell us just a little bit of your story before we got on and started recording? Uh, Kirk and I were talking, and he shared a little bit of kind of his backstory and and how God led him to the point where he's ministering to families as he is now. And I would just love for you to share that with our listeners as well. well Kirk. It, you know, it started with our son Casey. He was just a really challenging kid, and I have to admit, as a dad, I didn't like him. You know, obviously I love my son, but I didn't really like him when he was little because everything was difficult and everything was a challenge. And I used to go for these long walks and pray and say like, God, why please change my son. And then I started hearing like the, the, that kind of still small voice. Like at, there were three questions that I heard. One was, what if I have designed your son like this on purpose? And the second question mm. is, What if by trying to change your son, you are frustrating my purposes for your son? And then the third question was a hard one, which is, what if instead of spending all of your time trying to change your son, you change yourself? And I blocked that out because I'm a guy and I don't like to change, right? So, (laughs) but but it was, that's when everything changed when I learned, 
man, so much of this is I need to learn to accept my son as he is. I need to learn how to control my own emotions and my anxiety and all of my control issues. And when I started to learn to control myself, I could see into my son's heart. And so that was kind of what thrust us into this. And we had been youth pastors and worked with kids, but we had a heart for those outcast kids. So we actually just started inviting them into our home. We would call them Lego camps. And a lot of the kids were adopted. We had kids on the spectrum. And the idea was to get 10 or 15 kids in our home in a comfortable environment where we could teach them how to de-escalate, to control their emotions, Mm. to handle disappointment, to handle fights with other kids and siblings. And we did that for about a decade and had about 1,500 kids in our home. And then um, after that, I was getting older and they were exhausting me. So we so we started speaking. So now we do more speaking than we do working directly with the kids. But that's that's kind of the genesis of it. And the, the whole idea is to reflect the heart of the father through us as parents so that our kids, not just teaching them the Bible, but really living it out so that in our actions, they see, oh, that's the character of God. I would like a relationship with him as well. Right, right. Well, I loved as you were going through those questions that God really kind of pricked your heart with. I found it so interesting and and actually convicting that every single one of them had to do with you as the dad. It was it was your response to your child, how God can grow you and then help you shepherd your child's heart so that he can grow as well. So, you know, can you kind of unpack that a little bit more for the moms and dads that are sitting there listening? They have been in that spot where they're just so frustrated. They they don't even, they don't ever want to say it out loud, but they really don't like their kids. And, and you know, they, they're just struggling with the guilt that comes along with that. How can God redeem that situation starting with mom and dad? That's a great question. I'm glad you used the word redeem. So here's just so everybody's on the same page, I'll do this very quickly. The kids that we're talking about, three common things. They tend to be very bright, but they're not always academically motivated, right? So homeschooling them can be extremely difficult, and they tend to use their intelligence to argue with you. So they're like little cops, judges, and attorneys all rolled into one. They tend to wake up in the morning and have their own agenda. And so there are power struggles literally over everything. And you'll spend your entire childhood saying, if you would just do what I asked you to do, you would be done in seven minutes. But they'd rather (laughs) argue for seven hours or days or weeks or years and lose everything they own. And the third thing is consequences tend not to matter to these kids. And if you have one of these kids, you know that because you ran out of consequences when they were five. And they will call your bluff with it. And so it's frustrating And we have this idea, especially as Christian parents, of like, well, if I just love my child and I pray over my child, that they'll just be compliant and easy. And it's just not that way. And if you look through scripture, you'll see like Jacob, like Jacob was a really difficult child who deceived his brother, his father. Like you see that throughout scripture. They're all the story of the prodigal son, right? You see the strong willed child. And so for me, it was I believe relationships are not meant to make us happy, but they are a tool for our transformation as people, right? Like just as my relationship with Christ ultimately transforms who I am, my relationship with my wife, a relationship with a strong-willed child, 
they are going to push your buttons. When we speak live, I'll be like, how many of your kids push your buttons? And all the parents groan and raise their hands. My response is, (laughs) well, that can only happen because you have so many buttons to push. Yeah. And so (laughs) I, I challenge parents. There's no guilt or blame in any of this. But this child, I believe, is given to you because that child will help you grow up and mature and learn because we all said like, oh, I'll never yell at my children. I want. And then you find yourself doing exactly what your parents may have done with you. And so for me, it was a reckoning of there is only one person in life that I can control. And that's myself. And 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 the, the scriptural injunction of like, stop looking at taking the little speck out of your neighbor's eye and start working on that big log in your own eye. And when I started doing that, I found that it was so liberating that I didn't have to control other people anymore. That if I just Mm. worked on myself, I would be available to love and guide and discipline so much better um, that way. So if you embrace it, it's hard, but it's very, very liberating. And um, your word redeem when, if we get to this example that I was talking about uh, before, it's all about redeeming these moments that blow up into big meltdowns and you redeem it and hmm. turn it into something really positive. You know, I think that for so many of us, regardless of the dynamic of our family, we get so into the weeds of it all. We are, we are so deep into kind of swatting at what we can see that we neglect far too often to go for the root, for the heart of what's going on so that we can, you know, kind of change the course of things going forward. Because just swatting at what we see, whether it be trying to deal with, you know, the attitudes or the the strong will, the, the debating, the arguing, whatever it is, if we're just starting right there, we're going to swat and swat and swat and swat and be frustrated and never get any real results. Whereas once we go down to the heart, see where God really wants us to start, that's where we'll start seeing that transformation, which makes so much sense as you were laying it out. That's awesome. I mean, that's a one, I'll give you one common example for the kids we work with. So they tend to struggle with a lot of anxiety and going to new places is really hard for them because of all of the unknowns. So a common example is, well, you come home and you tell your child, hey, it's time for our Taekwondo class or swim class. And they, they're like, oh, my stomach's a little bit upset. Can we just stay home? And we're like, no, no, hmm. no, let's go early. I'll buy you something. We try to bribe them. That doesn't work. And then we're like, you know what? I paid $145 for that class. Your little butt's going to be there, right? And then when we go with that hard <laughs> approach, then they lock in and they're like, no, I'm not going. And some of these kids, and this happens in Christian homes, so I don't want you to feel guilty because this is just real life. They will look at you and say, Taekwondo is stupid. You're stupid. And you're like, wait, where did that come from? We don't use that language. Or they will challenge your authority and say, I'm not going. You can't make me. And what happens is we as parents naturally are think we're looking at a defiant, disrespectful child. So I get upset And I kind of start yelling, you know what, you're going to get your little butt in the car right now. And if I hear any of that language again, you're going to lose everything you own. And it tends to escalate. And Hmm. by calming myself first, and it's not excusing it at all. I'm not going to excuse the behavior. But when I can calm myself down in that situation, and what I try to do is say, I am a giver of tools and wisdom. 
My job is to give my child tools and wisdom. And so when I step back for a second, I look down at that child and assume the best about his intentions. Try that in your marriage sometime. It'll really help, right? Mm Because we always assume, well, he's just being a jerk or she's just... No, usually we're misjudging people's intentions. So when I look down at that child and say, huh, is your stomach a little bit upset? And they're like, yeah. I'll be like, oh, you know what? You're just nervous. You're nervous because you're going to a new place. Of course you're nervous. You should be a little bit nervous. And as soon as I go there, acknowledging what they're feeling inside is immediately calming to a child who is freaking out. I thought I was looking at a defiant, disrespectful child. And what I was really looking at was an anxious kid who was freaking out because maybe he was afraid the other kids were going to pick on him because that's his experience. Or maybe he was going to fail and he can't take more failure. And in that moment, when I can reach into his heart and say, oh, that anxiety, perfectly normal. When I have to give a new presentation Mm -hmm. at the office, oh, my stomach is upset in the morning, right? And then I give them a tool, which our tool for anxiety is when you can, say for Sunday school, or you're taking a child someplace, have another adult, wherever your child is going, give your child a job to do. Because if we go a couple days ahead of time to the Taekwondo place and I say, hey, Mr. Taekwondo, my son's going to be in your class, loves helping other people. Because strong-willed kids... Aren't really great for their parents, but they're really good. They like helping other adults. Could huh. you give my son a job to do? And that Taekwondo guy says, Oh man, I'm so happy you're in my class. Could you be here five minutes early next week for class? Because I could really use your help. There's something hmm. in that next week when I go and tell my son, Hey, we need to go to that class. What triggers in the child's brain? It's not all the unknowns and I'm freaking out and are people going to pick on me? It's mom, dad, that guy said he needed my help and he needed me to be there five minutes early. Now they were going to want to leave like three hours early because that's what they're going to about. <laughs> but now if you look at that situation, instead of just sending that child to his room, I'm angry, he's upset and we're disconnected. Now I just connected and said, I know what's going on and I can help you. And the, the, what I always want to communicate with these kids is when your world is out of control, mine's not. You can trust me hmm. because I think that's the message. Like I always try to put it in terms of like do, when I'm having a rough day, does God come to me and say, you know what? You should have figured that out by now. Nice going, Kirk. Right? Because that's what we say to our kids. And I think what God says is, look, I can handle you. When you're having a bad day, Mm. I'm still steady and even. So if you need to come to someone, you come to me because I can handle you at your worst. And I'm not going to send you away from me, even though you're upset and saying bad things to me. I'm going to draw you to me because I'm the one person here who can actually help you. And that becomes Mm -hmm. really important, as you know, in the teenage years, when your kids are going to face challenges that many of us didn't face, I want them coming to the mom and the dad who they say, oh, my mom is a rock. My dad doesn't overreact in the moment. So I know even if I mess up, like the (laughs) the prodigal son, 
I can go back to that father because I know that I can trust him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and even as I was listening to your story, as giving that example of that child, a couple of the things that you said, you noted you were helping the child see that they are seen. We see you, we see what's going on and we're reacting to, to you, your heart, not, you know, what we see that's going on. But, but one of the things that I think that we as parents can do that we undervalue so much is we can actually help our kids understand what's going on inside of them in a way that they may not fully get or be able to express. So when you went down to, I'll bet your stomach is hurting and you kind of started assessing the situation on his behalf, I, I found with my own kids that that there are so many times that they get in a situation, it's almost like a deer in the headlights. They're they're not able to express. They're like frozen. And as I am able with questions or with kind of guiding, knowing what I know about them, guiding them into fully expressing what's going on inside of them, the insight that you get is pretty incredible. And I've always stood amazed as I've prayed for my kids, the way that God has given insight in those moments to do just that. And it's got to be just a work of the Holy Spirit, kind of directing me as a mom, David as a dad, as we're interacting with our kids in moments like that's, that. I mean, that's beautiful, right? Because you just took a child who, because I, I I try to get inside the heart of the child. And I don't think any child wants to be like, you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to be really difficult and demanding. I'm going to have a big meltdown <laughs> and get sent to my room so that everybody's upset at me. Like, it's just, so I think you're right. Like yeah. that, that acknowledging and that's why I like to go, I like the words wisdom and tools. So I'm going to give you some wisdom about what's going on right mm. now. It's like with two siblings fighting. You can walk in the room and say, you know what? I've had enough of this. You go to your room and you go to your room. Or I can walk in the room, sit or lie down on the floor, which is a really cool thing because it'll freak your kids out because they're used to you coming in and barking orders at them. So instead I lay on the floor and those two kids, I guarantee will stop fighting because they're like, what's mom doing laying down on the floor? Yeah. What is going on here? (laughs) And so that's part of the beauty of controlling. You have so much more power with your kids by controlling your tone of voice and even your body posture, right? Because there's nothing, they're ready. They know exactly how this thing plays out. They know you're going to come in the room and give the lecture about why you can't play together well and you need to be best friends. They've heard it a hundred times. When I walk in and lay down on the floor, they look at me like, what are you doing? And now I can give them wisdom and say, I know why you're pushing your brother's buttons because you have this really awesome brain that's really, really busy and you're always thinking of things and you need to be stimulated. You get bored, so you pick on your brother. Well, now you're dependent (laughs) on your brother because you need him to, to, to react to you to feed your brain. But here's what I know about you as well. You've got a really big heart and you really like money and you're a born entrepreneur. So instead of spending all this time irritating your brother, why don't you and I brainstorm? Like we come up with three, four, five different ways for you to run like a little service project or a business in the community, make some money, and then we can give it away to charity. You want to use, so we could use your time that way. So now I'm giving them wisdom. Mm. It's not just that you're because kids will, the kids that we work with will internalize, I'm a bad kid. Something's wrong with me because they're always in trouble. And what I just gave them wisdom, no, I know, I know why you're picking on your brother because it's kind of fun because he reacts all the time. It's just going <laughs> to cause you to lose all your stuff, which if you want to do that, you can. But here's a better way and a different idea because I also know 
that you do have a big heart. I know that you're a born entrepreneur because mm-hmm. a lot of the kids we work with, they're just born entrepreneurs. And so, yeah. so now I'm giving him some tools to handle the situation differently rather than just saying, cut it out, go to your room, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. Well, I get a lot of questions from mostly moms. I talk mostly to moms, but who have those children that they just don't think they can homeschool. They just, you know, most of our audience are homeschool families and they, whether it be one child or multiple child or children, we just, we butt heads all the time. We, I can't possibly, it's just destroying our relationship. It's destroying our family. You know, how would you, how would you respond to that? What kind of insight would you give to moms who find themselves in that situation where they're just not sure what to do? They, they want to homeschool and they just don't know that they can. I think we come back to um, relationship and tools, right? So the relationship part of it is you alluded to it before of how you sit and you listen, you ask questions. And one of my favorite questions with kids or anyone is, hey, I'm curious, right? Like, hey, I'm curious. You keep doing this thing and it's going, and I know you know it's wrong and you're going to lose all your stuff. And I'm curious, what are you getting out of that? What's really going on? And so building the relationship is first, and that's probably more than we have time for in a, in a short podcast. But really, look, a lot of it to me is learning to accept that child as he is, because that was my hardest obstacle with our son. And knowing you didn't do anything wrong, this child just may be very different from you. This is These kids are very difficult when you are more of a rule follower kind of compliant person, because in your brain, it's like, well, someone tells you to do something, you just do it. Well, my natural instinct, even when God is talking to me, is to say, well, why? Right? Like, I, I want to know context. And so it's really hard, but a deep level of, of acceptance. Um, there's a certain releasing. I found this to be a very spiritually powerful thing to release your child. I had to do this with our son to say, Casey, I release you to be the person that God made you to be, not the person that I wanted you to be. I release you to be who God made you to be, to be that instead of who, instead of being like your siblings or like your friends. And I found when I would release him from just the way I wanted him to be, it really freed our relationship. So there's a relationship Mm -hmm. part, and then there's the tools part of homeschooling, which is you're going to have to homeschool them different ways because these kids learn in different ways. They learn laying upside down off the sofa. They uh, learn best listening to music, sometimes standing at the kitchen counter, rocking back and forth, eating a snack, listening to music at the same time while tapping on uh, their paper because all that brain stimulation (laughs) – actually creates order in their brains and rhythm in their brains and actually helps them learn in a different way. They tend to learn, um, one of our key phrases is, instead of managing their time, manage their energy. These are momentum kids who often will get three days worth of schoolwork done in one day, but then they're virtually useless for like a day or two. And sometimes you have to change the way you, uh, you know, Case and I were talking, we were just out West and we were hiking one day 
and we were talking about um, that uh, a parent had uh, emailed in and their child's really interested in biology and in the human body. And I was like, the best thing you could do for that child is buy a skeleton. Now, obviously a fake one, don't mm. go get a cadaver. <laughs> if you were from a young age to hang a real skeleton, like in their room or somewhere, that child would begin playing with that and touching it and knowing it because they're very visceral and they're, they're very sensory. Right. So I would just encourage you, accept your child as he is and learn how their hearts work, learn how their brains work best. And you can do it, but homeschooling strong-willed kids can be very, very difficult. We did it with Casey and it's hard, but it's very, very rewarding as well. So I don't know if I can do that. Well, and, oh, I, I, yeah, absolutely. There was so much in there, but also I think that it's worthwhile to note that that there is a humility involved in this as well as part of that releasing your child of recognizing, you know, there may be times when things don't look the way you want them to, or the way you had them built up or, or whatever. There is a humility at just letting God be God in your child's life. And, and that's something that I think all of us as parents, as people struggle with in a myriad of different situations, um, but we can really see it on display here with our kids, I think. Yes, I'm so glad you mentioned humility. It, it's in, in, the, in the way that you mentioned is like, yes, these kids will humble you because especially, especially if you had a compliant child first, because you're like, oh, we are <laughs> such good parents. This is awesome. Let's have another one. And then for the parents who had the second child with strong-willed, it's like they're from a different from an alien. It's like a to completely different child, and it's very, very humbling. And so we always encourage parents like give yourself a lot of grace. Give your. It's like uh, you know if you had been Jacob's mother, like I mean you. It's like he's already stealing his brother's birthright. Now he's conspiring to deceive his father. And you see, you actually see that throughout Scripture. You tend to see a strong-willed child and the more compliant child. And the interesting thing that I find, because I, I have a heart for the strong-willed children, like in the prodigal son, Luke 15, is at the end of that story, it was the strong-willed child who had humbled himself and had a contrite heart. Mm. And it was the compliant older brother who'd always done everything his father had asked, who had a more bitter heart. And because right. those who are forgiven of much love much, right? There's a, there's a, there's a redeeming part of these strong will kids that I think that you will find if you can really enter into their lives and understand them is while they can say horrible things for you, they can be very defiant. They also tend to have very, very big hearts. They tend to go into ministry, whether it's a ministry or just a helping profession, they will, with the same mouth, they will uh, say bad things to their parents and then hop out of the car and go give a homeless person all of their money. Right. <laughs> and they're very, very sensitive. So, so mm. they're really neat kids, but the Leslie, would you mind if I did that a quick story? Because that humility thing just triggered. I would love okay. it. Please. Okay. So here's, this will wrap up like a, lo a lot of what we talk about and, and the approach. So big trigger for men is this. As a guy, I walk into my living room and I hear that strong-willed child yelling, talking disrespectfully to my wife. Well, obviously as a guy, like, I'm going to protect my wife. So I walk in and I say, Casey, how many times have I told you, you don't talk to your mother like that? 
you know what? You don't do anything around the house. You've had a bad attitude. Go to your room right now. And I would begin escalating things. Was I doing anything wrong? Not really. Was I justified? Absolutely. But it doesn't mean that that always works. And what I found myself doing was amping things up and saying, you know what? One more word, young man. And he would reply with word because he was a really difficult (laughs) child. And at times I'd say, you know what? You've already lost your video games for two weeks. You want to make it three. And the strong-willed child will always say, why don't we just make it a month, dad? Like they will call your bluff. And I would escalate things. And what I learned over time was I was purposefully escalating things because I wanted my son to go up to his room and slam his door and say awful things to me so that when I walked back downstairs, I could justify my own lack of self-control to my wife. Did you hear what your son just said to me? And what I realized was I was very dependent on my son. And what I was really communicating to my son when he was young was this, Casey, I need you to behave because if you don't do exactly what I tell you to do, you, you, I'm not sure I can control myself and you do not want to see me angry. And I had learned that from my dad, who was career military and never, he kind of had, he had some anger issues and never really had a lot of tools. He was from a different generation. But a lot of what we talk about is breaking those generational patterns so that they don't keep replicating in your family. And the big one I had to control was, see, I was dependent. I needed Casey to behave because when he didn't, I felt justified to lose control myself. And so that's when I started learning, well, if I could de-escalate this situation, I wouldn't keep separating my son from me instead of sending him to his room. So how do we de-escalate? I I think the moms out there, because I know this is more moms because ours is almost all moms too. We get some dads too. I'm listening. But de-escalating. Here's the phrase I encourage you to remember. Motion changes emotion. So sometimes talking too much to an upset child actually makes them more upset. And, I, and, and the moms out there who have a strong-willed child will know this. When you start to talk too much, hmm. in some ways, it's provoking your child to anger because we just go on and on and we kind of dismiss like, oh, there's no need to be upset. You don't need to be. And that's like when, our, when your husbands dismiss your emotions, right? Like, oh, honey, there's no need to be upset. The reason we do that is because your emotions make me so uncomfortable. See, again, it always right. comes back to me. When my wife did that, that had nothing to do with her. That was my own immaturity as a man thinking, well, I've got to fix it. But maturity says, honey, I understand. I, I, what I hear is I, I, you're frustrated because you homeschool our kids and you're married to me. You should be frustrated now and then, right? Like I, I'm a difficult person. And so if, <laughs> if you want to talk about it, I, I'm, I'd love to listen to you. But see, I don't try to fix her emotions. I'm just available to her. And so, what, so the, the, mo, the motion or movement, the idea, I got this from those 1,500 kids in our home because if you just go face-to-face with an upset person of any kind, it doesn't work. You know, we need to talk about your attitude right now. 
Well, that just tends to escalate. So I found when I would move from one room to another, when I would give the child something they were in control of. So here are my two quick examples. I walk in the room, say, hey, Casey, I can tell you're frustrated. Listen, I've got a football. When you're ready, if you want to come outside and play catch with me, I'd love to help you out with whatever you're struggling with. Or Casey, I can tell you you're upset. Listen, I'm going to dump the Legos out in the living room. If you want to come join me, I bet we could build a really cool spaceship. And the whole idea was I am inviting him. I am leading him to calm. I am leading him to contrition. Because you know with a strong-willed child, in that moment when they're upset, if you walk in and say, you need to apologize to your mother right now, whenever you demand something right now from a strong-willed child and they're upset, it is an instant, no, I'm not doing it. Or they will give you a half-hearted, sorry. Well, I didn't get contrition. I demanded an apology. But when I lead that child to a calm, rational place, then I will get the contrition. But your word you used before was so powerful is humility. It takes humility in that moment not to want to grab that child by the throat and say, you don't yell at your mother because as a guy, (laughs) that's my natural response is to just yell and scream and say, you know what? If you talk to your mother like right in that whole tone, creates a defensive response. Yeah. I'm leading my child. And the beautiful thing is when that child comes in the room and is sitting on the floor and we're building with Legos, or sometimes I do push-ups with a child or color with them or an activity that, that they felt in control of. I'm now there with my child. I haven't separated from them and I'm calming them down because we're doing we're not addressing the issue immediately. I'm calming them down. I'm getting in relationship because once we're playing catch or doing the push-ups or you know know what your child likes to do. We're drawing. See building like I love the Legos example because from a child's point of view what they're thinking is my whole world is out of control. I'm upset. I don't even know how to calm down. But I do know how to build with some Legos. And now my mom is right here. My dad is right here next to me. So once we're calmed down, see, now I can get to the root and say, look, I know that, you know, yelling at your mom, hitting your sister, stealing, uh, throwing things. I know you know that's wrong. And I know that you know you're going to lose all your things. So I'm curious. You know that you're not supposed to do that. You know it brings dire consequences. And yet you did it anyway. And so I'm curious. What was going on inside that would lead you to do something that not only hurt your mom, it hurt you? Because And my tone is, I'm, I, I want to help you with this. Right. It's not about, see, a lot of times, and I know you, people disagree with this, but it, it's not about me. I'm just so angry and frustrated at my child. And I get that. You should be angry and frustrated. You're, you're, we're, we're not becoming Gandhi here, right? Like, oh, I don't feel anything. <laughs> It's okay, and you're justified to be feel frustrated, angry, disappointed, but I don't want to act out of those emotions because that's when I say hurtful things and send my child away. When I control myself, now I'm in a teaching mode, and for us, discipline means literally to teach, to disciple them. And so in this moment now, I'm discipling my child And what I used to hear from Casey was, 
dad, this is especially when he went to regular school, I'm frustrated at school and I don't have any friends and we have too much homework. And then mom asked me to show me my homework folder and I get upset. I was like, okay, I get that. So you're frustrated. So yelling at your mom out of frustration hasn't worked the last 43 times. We've done it. <laughs> what are we going to do differently? And that's when he'd say, dad, the first thing I need to do is I need to go apologize to mom. And I was like, bingo. Hmm. But it's that humility. And I love that word. And this is hard for men at sometimes because we're like, well, I need, I need to stand up for my wife. And I was like, I know you do. But what usually happens is we walk downstairs after sending them to the room and yelling and say like, oh, I just stood up for my wife. And my wife was like, no, you just ruined the whole night because now I'm yeah. <laughs> crying in his bedroom for three hours and I have to go calm him down. Right. And what I try to uh, help men with is if you want to serve your wife, one of the best things you can do is to de-escalate things in the home. Mm. Because I used to put my wife in the position of I come home from work and now she has to not only manage, you know, our strong willed son's emotions, then she had to manage my emotions to make sure I didn't get upset. And that wears that will wear your wife down very quickly. So when I got to the point where I could de-escalate, not only did I rebuild my relationship with my son, I know that it took the pressure off of my wife because now she didn't have to run interference between upset dad and challenging child because that will really hurt yeah. your marriage. So anyway, I, I hope that helps with some practical you know, aspects next time your child melts down is see what you can do to de-escalate first because then everything flows out of that and you're still connected. Oh, absolutely. That was incredibly helpful. And I think it really underscores the the just privileged position we have as parents to to shape and mold and disciple our children and to point them to Jesus in all of these situations by helping them understand how he created them and how to become the men or women that he's created them to be. And so I, I appreciate so much your sharing just the the insights and also the practical applications of of what you've learned through the years. That's It was insightful for me, and I know it's been really, really helpful for everyone else listening in. Well, I, I appreciate it, and I appreciate what you do. So if we can help in any way with these kids, I know it's hard. Let us let us know because we'll be glad to really glad to help. Well, absolutely. Can you tell us before we go where everyone can connect with you? I'll be sure to to put these links in the show notes, but it's very helpful to hear it too. You know, if you if you look up celebratecalm.com, you'll find our stuff. Or if you just um, search for Calm Parenting Podcast, you'll find our our podcast and. They're just on, you know, they're different topics, right? One on defiance or anxiety or just getting kids to listen the first time, all of those things. Either celebrate calm or just look up the Calm Parenting Podcast and you'll you'll find us. And, and you know, you well, can perfect. email too. I'll throw out my uh, son's email or, or my email is Kirk, K-I-R-K, at Celebrate Calm. I know it's a weird name. It was originally Celebrate ADHD and it, 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 people think we're like a yoga thing or something. We have to change it. <laughs> so at Kirk at CelebrateCalm.com. Just tell us about your family and we'll be happy to give you some insights and help out however we can. So, um, but thank you for doing this. And I, I love your questions are so good. 
and bring up humility mm. and all, like the heart of the father and everything. I just, I love that you did that. So I appreciate it. Well, you are welcome. So thank you again so much for joining us today. And everyone else out there listening, I hope that you will connect, that you will dig deeper into, you know, how you can best shepherd the heart of your child, disciple them, point them to Jesus, celebrate calm as you are helping them become the men and women that God created them to be. So I think you have a lot to think about after today. And I look forward to talking to you again real soon. Mm -hmm.